You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lewin Markell, Taylor Stanfield, and I'm Travis Peasley. So, f- first of all, Taylor, did you really bring in the superglue to put that mini together while we were doing this? Listen, I do not have a problem. I beg to differ. You we can, have... You can oh god, I don't even remember the count now. It was 69. It was 69, Briefly. but we've got several more. I think we have roughly this 73. Was a, this was a birthday present. Don't be is mean. That the, is that the demon? Yeah, okay. it's what it's the one that Matt got me. Hey, yeah. that demon is pretty awesome, though. He looks really good. I can't wait see. to see that thing painted, though. Oh, man. He looks like a... He reminds me of a Final Fantasy behemoth. The huh. ones in, in one of the games, like, they stand up and pull their sword out of their back. Like it was like a ridge on their back. That is terrifying. It's great. Listen, you're just lucky that there's not enough insulation in here. Otherwise, I would have absolutely brought the primer in here. You see, you say that's terrifying. You're like, that's terrifying. I can't wait to kill them with this. I'm not going to kill you with it. You're just going to make us fight it and we might die. Yeah, you might kill yourselves with it. No, no, that's not how it works. Just don't do anything stupid. Don't All die. right, let, let's let's get the heat off of me and my bad decisions. Oh, right. So, uh, Lewin, you've me. got the reins for this week. Uh, did you do your research? Wait, it's me this week? Well, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm kidding. I say, like, I make that joke like I haven't actually been high-key stressed about this all week. <laughs> like, I probably shouldn't, like, I shouldn't say that because it's like listeners can smell fear. But, like, I have been high-key stressed about this. Um, I actually found this guy, which I'm pretty sure someone's going to be, like, <clears throat> a little incensed that I just referred to him as, like, this guy. But I was actually here last week after the last episode. I was hanging out, and I was flipping through this um, this book that Travis has that's, like, the art development of Dungeons & Dragons through the years. Right. <clears throat> it's a good book. I got that as a Christmas present from work, Secret Santa. Oh. Not very secretive. I know who got it for me. They just won't admit it. I mean, <laughs> and to be fair, like, it could it could be anyone who would buy you a Dungeons & Dragons related thing because you're not... You're not a closet nerd or anything. No. You're pretty open about it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a closet nerd. It's fine. Anyway, you um, found this guy looking through that book? Yeah, I was, uh, I was flipping through it and basically I just saw a page... That was just a bunch of pictures of him with like, you know, the captions. It's like, this one is from this and whatever. And I just had the thought, I was like, oh, wow, this this guy's been in a lot of editions. So that means that there's like a lot of information out there for him. So there would be like a lot of coverage. And that guy is Strad von Zarovich, which 
I'm, the internet also told me it could be pronounced fawn. So if I'm butchering I'm, it to any of our Eastern European listeners, then I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to repronounce that last name. I'm just going to call him Strahd and or Vaughn from now on. <laughs> no, Vaughn's another Final Fantasy character. But Strahd actually originated in the uh, first edition of Ravenloft, which, if I am correct, was also where Vecna... Was that where Vecna premiered? Um, I know Vecna was in Ravenloft. He was in Ravenloft. Uh, he originally premiered in the actual like Dungeon, Dungeon Master's Guide. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because his hand and his eye were relics. But... And uh, Ravenloft, that was, is that the, the first Ravenloft, edition when he was a, a god? Uh, Ravenloft was where he ascended into godhood. That's okay. basically, he went from one edition, got thrown into Ravenloft after he got defeated from one campaign. So mm-hmm. he did actually appear in the Ravenloft campaign, yeah, but I think that was the that. second campaign he was in. Okay. If I recall correctly. Here's where I reveal that I actually wasn't listening to you at all last week, and that's why I had to ask that question. <clears throat> Even though you've been like terrifyingly saying, please don't include Vecna in our campaign. Please don't include Vecna in our campaign. Yeah, I actually didn't. I was like, Vecna, Ravenloft, something about his like left side, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't care. No, I was, I hey, was listening. Perfect then. But- so when I do include him, guess who's going to be surprised? Oh, no. Oh. No, I wouldn't be. Um, Which, Ravenloft was published in 1983. So, this guy's been around for a while. And the reason that I was actually so... When I started doing research, I was so nervous to cover him, even though I was already committed, so it wasn't like I was going to back out. But, for one, he's so long-standing. But also, a lot of people hail him as being one of, if not the best and most iconic villains in Dungeons & Dragons. I feel directly challenged. (laughs) So, you picked the... uh, You picked the big boy listen that's what other people have said not me you picked the big boy well you did i pick the big accidentally boy. picked the big boy so there were i feel like a lot more titles for vecna last week than there are f- that i found for strahd but i feel like one of them you know the one that i see referenced most often is probably the most important and revealing one which is the first vampire Ooh, i told you this was gonna be so- a goth episode so we went from our first episode being the first lich. Possibly the first lich, yeah. To the, uh, the second episode being the first vampire. Yes. We're going to have issues topping this. <laughs> yeah, starting- thanks, guys. I am beginning to wish I did not go third. All you have to do now is find, like, the first werewolf, and you'll be fine. <laughs> no. I got, no. Taylor was like, oh, I thought I was going to do some, like... I don't know, wolves or something. I was just some generic like, wolves. I was just gonna look at fairies and Feywilds and shit. No, now I have to well, go find the first fucking something better. The first Cthulhu. Cthulhu? I think I pronounced it wrong. Yeah, and you're also in like the whole totally wrong setting. Yeah, you know what? It's fine. I mean, you could you could find okay. You could find some Eldritch shit. I will find some Eldritch shit. Also, I could... Okay, the thing is also, looking through the book, I could tell this guy was a vampire, but I didn't realize that he would be, like, the vampire. So anyway. Yes, the first vampire. Let's see what uh, you found out about him. Well... Pulse away. <laughs> there was also a sequel to Ravenloft, released in 1986, known as Ravenloft 2. <laughs> there's a... There's a Very creatively named. <laughs> creatively named. No, there's a I subtitle. Like the House on Griffin Hill. <clears throat> um... <clears throat> Which actually takes place in a different setting. It takes place in the town of Mordentshire, and it features an artifact known as the Apparatus, 
which switches the personality of one of the townspeople and a monster. So in this version, there are actually two Strahds. There is the vampire, mm-hmm. and then there is a human townsperson known as the alchemist. And I've seen differing sources on whether or not, like, it was like an accident that this happened or that Strahd was using it as like a cover, you know? So like maybe some uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde shit? Yeah, yeah. Which, oh man, that's good. That's even more like goth. It's pretty good. Also, after that, in 1990, was released Ravenloft Realm of Terror, which is a really good name. And that expanded into 30 different realms within the... uh, Yeah, within the uh, Demiplane of Dread, all of which were ruled by gothic horror creatures like vampires. This is a goth episode. This is a goth episode. Also, there were werewolves in that one. You try, there's, there's your segue. There you go. There you go. Go go research one of the werewolves from, go. from Realm of Terror. So, so wait, there are 30 different realms? Apparently. Holy hell. Which, as for the the relevance of Strahd to the, the, the Demiplane of Dread, I'll get into that later because it's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, already a little confusing just by virtue of having 30 plane, or thirty realms. Within the Plane of Dread. Within the Plane of Dread. So yes. 30 realms within a plane, and how many planes are there? Like, there's how lot. many? How many are there? Future episode. Future episodes. If we talk about the plane. I'm tired of... <laughs> These motherfucking planes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> that wasn't very good. That wasn't good. I, you know what? I kind of. I'm tired of these motherfucking realms on this motherfucking plane. I'm tired of there these motherfucking planes in this motherfucking game. That's nice. pretty good. I like that, that, that was better. Work too. That was better that was than better. my first one. All right. So continuing. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> what is probably going to be the body of this episode Ooh. is based on the 1993 novel I Strahd, Memoirs of a Vampire, which is an autobiographical kind of. I say that like he's a real person, but like an autobiographical right. style novel about him, which details how he became a vampire. Oh, man, I love that. I love those, like, cheeky, like, tie-ins that are, like, written as, like, in-game lore that you can actually go out and read. I know. It's so good. That is pretty awesome. So they wrote this as a as a biography that he wrote. Yeah. I need to get a hold of this and read it. That could be interesting. I read most of it because it's oh. very short. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask if it was a terribly long read. No, it wasn't. Because um, the, the style of it is also like, it's like in, in vignettes almost. Okay. So like, it's not, it's like in diary, like almost like diary entries. So it's like, there's this one part okay. and then the next chapter cuts to something that happened like so it's like later. cherry picked diary entries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was not, a, it would not have been, I didn't read it all. There was a little bit of a little bit of skimming involved in certain parts, but it would not be a very long read whatsoever. Huh. Interesting thing to look at next. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's yeah. very good. So in a similar um, vein to Vecna, as we discovered, like as we excuse me, discussed last week, um, Strahd did not start out as a vampire. Surprise, surprise. Lo and behold. Lo and behold, he uh, he was a human in his youth. Some sources that I found say that he was the the noble son of a prominent family. Um, Some that I saw referred to him as a prince. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. So one way or the other, he was higher up on the social chain regardless. Yes. Yes, very much so. Um, And he spent most of his, his youth and early adulthood as a warrior and commander of armies. And also his, like, stats for, for encounters list him as a fighter 
and a more magical sort of person. So that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, hold on real quick on that. Mm -hmm. Is it painting him more as a, like, melee spellcaster then, or...? Mm -hmm. No, it's, uh, no, just, uh, just a fighter guy. Huh. A fighter commander type guy. Interesting. Strange. Um, Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Almost like this is the backstory of a fantastical creature in Dungeons & Dragons. Strange. Almost. So, after he conquered the village of Barovia which I neglected to mention that he is the Count of at the beginning of this episode. Um, Of course he's a Count. They're always Counts. (laughs) Yeah, 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 he is. Um, And establishing his home in Castle Ravenloft. Why does that sound familiar to me? Because Jacob is actually running a campaign Mm -hmm. about Shrod and Ravenloft. Yeah, this is that guy. Someone that we work with who is also a D&D nerd is running a campaign about Strahd, apparently. Yep. Well, good to know. You mean they don't? He's going to love this episode. Or hate it. Or hate it. Or hate it, because I probably didn't do a very good job. Shut up. I'm sure. get over it. So after he um, conquered the village of Barovia and established his home in Castle Ravenloft, he called upon members of his family that were, you know, spread kind of thin to come live with him. And his younger brother, Sergei, did did so. Um, and he was quite, at this point, he was quite a bit younger than Strahd, who was getting into middle age. Right. And basically dealing with a midlife crisis um (laughs) this is a pretty big midlife crisis you have no idea how big of a midlife crisis this is but he was he was starting to get to a point where he was sort of resting on his laurels a bit because he had like this this embellished military history and he felt like he had squandered his youth because you know he he was he was doing all this stuff sort of because it was expected of him right you it know, wasn't what he wanted to do yeah because he was a he was a, a noble son from a powerful family and you know he had done and you know he had invited people in his family to come live with him so he felt like he had gone and done all this stuff like for his family who he felt was not very appreciative so he felt like he kind of squandered his his life a little mm. bit so he was kind of probably de- so he probably was depressed. going through a serious bout yeah, of midlife is, depression you know which is which is kind of like um, like i say midlife but just i think is the the human experience is almost like relatable yeah like, like ev- ev- at some point everyone feels like they wasted their time doing something yeah right now i will say though you said he was getting into middle aged at this point yes for a military leader i feel like that's pretty good though so Mm -hmm. he must have been pretty decent at it at least yeah like he you know because he he lived through it to actually get to this point yeah Yeah. most of the time if you hear about military leaders it's kind of like a especially in like yes especially in a fantasy setting it's definitely live fast die young Mm -hmm. so he was good at it he didn't like it so much necessarily but but at least he was decent at it Mm -hmm. yeah he was i mean and i don't think it it ever specifically said the people that he conquered yeah Yeah. i I would imagine he was probably in like his 40s at this point though yeah still a decent life lifespan so far Mm -hmm. so uh his brother who had come to live with him fell in love with a native barovian woman named tatiana and so love never turns out well in D D. oh no it doesn't oh no it doesn't oh no it doesn't foreshadowing and so at you know at a point after they'd been like 
medieval fantasy dating for a while, I guess. His uh his brother Sergey brought Tatiana home yes. to um meet meet his brother and to the castle of Ravenloft. Yes. Okay. And don't go to the big spooky castle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it probably wasn't spooky at this point though. It's probably just a castle. It was probably just like That's the, fair. That's the, fair. The big castle up the hill at this point. Um, so Sergey brought Tatiana home to meet his brother, and wouldn't you know it, Strahd immediately fell in love. Of course. Uh, because crap. she was this young, beautiful, vivacious, auburn-haired woman, and Strahd immediately fell in love. So, yeah. Midlife yeah. crisis. Midlife crisis. He wants to bang the younger women. He, he wants he, to... He needs to get a better, faster cart. <laughs> More specifically, he needs to get his younger brother's better faster car oh <laughs> whoa which is which makes it even better so um you know and and it wasn't that she didn't she didn't like him like, right you know she was she was very kind to him and you know she thought he was a nice person right but he was naturally very jealous so in his jealousy he he sought to make like find a way to make her fall in love with him yes which like, okay well uh, was this a spell <laughs> Yes, no. he was looking up a love spell. Love spells never work this out. Is, this is literally as this the, this this whole thing happened in what what I'm about to tell you about happened in his study while he was looking up ingredients for a love spell. Oh no. Okay. So while he was he was doing this and he was like lamenting, and the the most messed part messed up part about that is that she definitely viewed him as like a family member kind of thing. Yeah, like she was getting to know what she assumed to be her, her future her brother in law. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, no. um, literally, while he was in his study looking up ingredients for a love potion and like whinging about the fact that his his younger brother had a hot piece, whinging. <laughs> he was he That's was word. set upon. By a mysterious entity that spoke to him that, for whatever uh -oh. reason, Strahd immediately came to the conclusion was death. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which, I mean, like... I mean, I guess it could have been, but also, who wants to, like... I'm sorry, if a voice talks to me and I'm like, this might be death, I don't think I would talk to it. I'm I guessing... <laughs> that, that's fair. I'm guessing Strahd did. No, absolutely, Strahd would talk back. And um, the this this entity promised him that if Strahd obeyed its command, it would give him both Tatiana and also restore his his youth. So everything he wants at this point, everything he wants at this point, he would never have to be afraid of of squandering any more of his life, and he would also have like this beautiful woman that he was in love with. In love. If you can't see my air quotes, because you can't see my air quotes, I need to remind you that they're there. They're, she's doing this. She just did it like five times. I, uh, okay. And so Strahd agreed. And as payment, he killed his closest friend. What may have even been really his only friend, which is a man named Alec Gwillem, who served with him in the military. Ooh, so off to a great start. Mm -hmm. Magic always comes with a price. And I'm going to obliterate that because that is co probably copyright ABC at this point. Oh, boy. From Once Upon a Time. 
I, I don't think they can copyright that, though. Uh, you can copyright phrases for sure. Well, yeah, that's sure. That's some bullshit. Why don't we go ahead and throw in some, like, Full Metal Alchemist equivalent exchange jokes? <laughs> okay. Everyone gonna... get all Everyone the... get all their potentially copyright <laughs> phrases out. Okay. The important part is magic always costs <coughs> something, especially big magic where you get back lost time and also fuck with people to make them love you. Always. And are talking to an entity. That Always may or may not be death. Read, read the fine print. Read the yeah. fine print. So he kills his longtime military friend, basically. Yeah, it's. I believe in the book it said that they were friends for like 18 years. Oh my god. So it would be almost like if, be if, if like, I murdered you. Yeah, if right you murdered now. me right now. And if I did murder, if I was in Strahd's situation and I did murder you right now, do you know what I would do with your body afterwards? I mean, I assume you just take me out back and bury Wait, me. I have, I, 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 I have a guess of what he did do. What, what, what do you think he did? To did his he fucking ones? eat him? Kind of. How do vampires eat people? They drink their blood. Yeah. Which is what he did to his best friend's body, was drink his blood. Please don't Ooh. drink my blood. Which he sort of, in the moment, didn't realize that he was doing, because I guess... I guess vampire transformations are rough. I don't know. Uh, I just... I wish I could describe Travis's face right now. It's pretty it's good. It's like... <laughs> Going through all the phrase, all the phases of grief, grief, right over now. and over again. I just like, it, are we talking like he was like blackout I think murder it, phase? Like he just I, did whatever the fuck he thought was a good idea, or I think it was like the vampire equivalent of being blackout drunk. So maybe. the the this entity said, "Hey, I'll give you these things. Go kill your friend and drink his blood." I don't know if the, I don't think the entity told him drink his blood. So he just fucking did it. Yeah. Okay. It's well, like a blood that sacrifice might make it slightly worse. I think so. He uh, began to get a better Maybe. picture of what was happening when he woke up the next day and all of his wounds from the fight were gone because it was a it was a tough fight, you know, and he was he got stabbed in the chest. Oh, OK. So he woke Damn. up with just like the, the tear in his shirt, but no, no wound. And, and he, he did he remember the fight? Sort of. Like, he remembered that he got stabbed. Okay, so and he, he f thought that, that was weird. And he was also, like, ghastly pale. Um, and to his dismay, hmm. when he, he, he woke up, he was not... And curiously, he looked at himself in a mirror, but whatever. Um, so that rule of vampires doesn't exist on I this guess. universe? They can actually see themselves? I guess. There's some interesting stuff about vampires in D&D, though. But he uh, he was not any younger, but he sort of thought back to what the entity had told him and realized that what it was actually saying was that he would not age past that point, which he was like, eh, not exactly what I wanted, but I'll take it. But at least now I don't have to worry about getting older. older. Yeah. The next little vignette cuts to the day of his brother's wedding. Oh, oh no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, oh God. Okay. Yeah, here we go. I'm yep. getting secondhand embarrassment for this guy. Same. <laughs> and his brother. Like, I'm embarrassed for his brother. That this is, that this, this guy is his older brother? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, on the day of his brother's wedding, he goes to see his brother before the 
you know, before the ceremony starts. Right. In, like, one of those ways that, in a lot of stories, would be a nice family moment. Right. Like, you could picture him, like, going in, be- hugging his brother and saying, I love you, I'm so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This will be a great day, or this will be the best day of your life. Something... Mm-hmm. Something sweet. But yeah. instead of the best day of his life, it was the last day of his life. Oh. Because oh. before the wedding, Strahd murdered his brother, feasted on his blood. As you do when you're a vampire. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. So, um, afterwards, you know, obviously Tatiana finds out that her groom has been murdered and everyone kind of blames it on a sort of brewing issue that was happening with Strahd of, like, insurgents in the village of Barovia. So, Um, like... Blames it on, like, an assassin sneaking into the wedding. So, no one sees that Strahd has become pale... His wounds have disappeared from this fight. I really don't know how, because... He didn't age through all this, which I don't know how long the timeline is from the wedding. It was like a year. Probably not It was like a year, if I remember correctly, so you wouldn't be visibly older, but But I don't know. The paleness, no one realizes. I, you know, that exactly, like, oh wow, it's (sighs) weird that he hasn't gone outside he constantly looks like he's like seen a ghost i don't know if i've seen him eat anything in the past like year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no nobody seemed to notice that so strahd i'm gonna blame this on the town actually they seem very inept (laughs) this is actually just the town's fault this is all the town's fault this could have been prevented we could have we could have stopped this um, Only you can prevent vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he, he like goes to her and basically, you know, tells her like, oh, you know, I'll call my healer. I'll do what I can. But he's probably dead. So you should probably just like get over him real quick. <laughs> and then in this in this Jesus <laughs> Christ, oh. in, a, in this section that like of the of the book he kind of it it was sort of up to interpretation i feel like because it never explicitly says that he tries to cast any kind of enchantment magic on her Mm -hmm. but based on just a couple of things that said like actions he took and the change in her demeanor i and some like summaries of the book say that he tries to cast a spell on her But it never, like in the book, it never explicitly says that he does. But I think he tries to use some enchantment magic on her to make her, like, more... Receptive to him? Like, receptive to his his ideas. Um, And she resists, you know, the magic. Like, there's kind of a gross, like, scene in there where they, like, smooch. And then afterwards, she's like, no, 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 this isn't right. Whatever, while he's trying to tell her, like, oh, it's okay, my brother's dead, we can be together now. And she's like, she's like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't right. You you have, you have it in your head that this is what I want when it's just what you want. want. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Um, Mm -hmm. even better is while this is happening, the wedding actually does get crashed by Strahd's political enemies. Oh, Okay, so there's plausible... There's a lot going on. There's, like, a plausible reason for Strahd to not be caught in this instance, because, hey, everyone already thought it could have been an assassin, and then suddenly political enemies crash the party. Yeah. Oh, look! Assassins! Blame them! I almost kind of feel like Strahd set that up. Oh. Ah. I didn't like, know about that. I will say, as a DM, if I was following this, oh. that would probably have been my reason 
for this political group coming in. Like, everyone thinks that an assassin killed this person. No one thinks that it was Strahd. And then suddenly, his political enemies crashed this wedding. It makes sense. Hey, I have now hidden something from the players that they would have no idea. And it it does, like, turn it from... Oh, Strahd just has dumb luck, To Strahd is a fucking mastermind manipulator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, these these people that were his sort of, like, political enemies were people aligned with this this man named Leo Dilisnia? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Some but... of these names are hard to pronounce. It's... It sounds very Italian. It does. Yeah. This is actually just about Western Europe versus Eastern Europe. <laughs> um, so, but, I mean, henceforth, I'm just going to refer to him as Leo because right. that's right. his name. And it was pretty much just your average, like, this guy wanted to rule Barovia and didn't think that Strahd should be ruling Barovia. So he crashes his brother's wedding. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, cool, cool, cool. And in the ensuing chaos of this happening, a grieving Tatiana runs out of the castle and throws herself from the walls. Oh. Yes. Well. She does not survive the landing, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and this leaves Strahd, like beside himself because he realizes in this moment that he fucked up he killed his best friend he killed his brother and he inadvertently killed his weird sister-in-law love interest interest person yeah yeah and not only that but that because he was now in the state he was in he could not even be released from this grief by death oof because he can't die yeah so, um, after this happened, he was quote unquote killed by the interlopers. Mm. Um and He faked his death. Right. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't fake his oh. death. He was quote unquote killed, but he simply woke back up after the fight in the same physical condition that he had been in before, with this Leo guy having escaped. Oh. Yeah. So basically, when he dies, he kind of just ends up in a weird sleep state and then wakes up mm-hmm. once his body heals. That's actually, yeah, one of his his vampiric abilities. Huh. I have I have more about his vampiric abilities later. Right. I'll explain how that works. Not trying to jump ahead. Right. Oh yeah, no, no. no. But, but basically, he he quote unquote like dies and then just comes back. And then just comes back. That's got to be unpleasant after a while. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's a. It's I'm, and I'm assuming that the fact that that this Leo guy escaped was that like the actual guards fought him off, fought like the interlopers off. Yeah. And actually, um, this isn't something that I found especially as interesting as just like the rest of like this first portion of Strahd's backstory. Right. But actually, like later in the book, he goes and finds this Leo guy and like violently murders him, mm, which is takes cool. his revenge. Takes his revenge. Um. Even though, eh. Leo That's didn't, fine. like, do the main part he that didn't, upset Strahd. Yeah, he like, didn't do the main thing that upset him. He did kill him, but, like, he didn't do the... I mean, to be fair, if I was immortal in that case and someone had killed me, I'd probably go after him, too, though. Yeah. That's fair, yeah. That, like, at that point, <laughs> Just as a, like, insult. hey, fuck you. Hey, you may not have actually killed me, but you fully intended to, so come on, let's fight. Yeah, so, um, after, after this happened, um, Strahd basically continued things the same just a little more goth <laughs> you know i like, like it he was he was still like the count of barovia he was still kind of like a he was like a tyrannical figure kind of but i just assume he went outside less wore more black 
Yeah, one more, more black. One more black. Went outside less. <laughs> Hung out Maybe with bats. He actually literally did. There was a scene what? that... No, there was a scene in the book that... I mean, and this has no relevance to anything, really, but I thought was... Oh, no. This be, is relevant. Would be kind of cute if he wasn't, like, a total douchebag. Travis loves bats. Is basically where, like... It's true. Some... Like, he's in the top of the tower where a bunch of, like, bats gather, and he just, like, kind of pets one of them. It's cute. No, oh, my, my God. God. It, would, like, it would be cute if this was a nice vampire character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't care. It's guy. still cute. It's, it's, it was, was kind of cute. The dude can pet bats whenever he wants. And they just kind of, they just kind of like it. No. Yeah, like, they just kind of are so naturally drawn to him. He has, like, this natural affinity towards bats. Yes, there's actually another animal that he has a natural affinity towards also, which is discussed later in the book in the when he goes to kill Leo part, which is wolves. That was unexpected. Yeah. That is a little unexpected. I've actually, um, I can't, I can't necessarily place what media it was, but I actually have heard a link between like vampires and wolves. Uh, mm. Aside from vampires and werewolves. Aside from each other. vampires and werewolves being like natural enemies. But I have actually heard of that before. Oftentimes it's in, it's in media where either werewolves don't exist or they don't have the same prominence, beef, like beef with vampires. Yeah. But I have I have heard of vampires and wolves having affinity for each other. I, I feel like I have too, like one of those older like vampire stories. Uh yeah, like vampires and wolf packs. Yeah, yeah. Kind of probably in line with the same like now it's bothering me history that I can't of, think of what it was. Um, <laughs> like why vampires and bats have an affinity for each other, like yeah. the old stories about um Vlad the Impaler and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think it might also be like a little bit of like a similar like, a lot of vampire stories were in, like, the idea of, like, mountainous and forested European areas where wolves might also be a threat. Like yeah. A threat. So maybe that's how the association grew. I really have no idea. So things kind of continue business as usual for Strahd. But the thing is, is he had this this whole thing about how, like, he was sort of grieving because he, he realized that, like, what he believed to be, like, the love of his life died and that he would never be able to be with her at all or that, you know, he would never, ever be able to have death as the release from his pain. Right. But throughout the rest of the story, he encounters several women that he believes to be, well, it was never really clear if these women are meant to be Tatiana reincarnated or if he simply believes that they are. Oh, no. Yeah. So he actually, uh, he encounters several women throughout the story that he believes to be Tatiana reincarnated. And it's actually kind of messed up because, you know, he he meets these women and has this moment where he's like, oh, fuck. But then he makes it weird because uh, of course one, he does of yeah. course he does because at one point he uh he is talking to to one of them and he keeps calling her tatiana and she's like no no my name who who are you talking about my name is marina and you know trying to do his his regular like creepy guy thing creepy and instead of moving on to a healthy relationship with someone that bears a lot of resemblance to someone he loved previously but it died tragically he's got to be a creep about he's it he's got to be a creep about it like Oh, I'll I'll whisk you away from this. And one of the one of the women was actually in like a terrible situation and it was like, I'll whisk you away from this and you'll be rich and you'll be able to live forever and you'll never have to worry about anything. Mm. But the catch is is that this keeps happening to him. Uh-huh. Like every hundred years, every generation, something like that, he'll meet one of these women, and always after meeting him, 
they die tragically. Oh. So it's like, this keeps happening over and over again. So if it does just happen to be like the reincarnation, it kind of just continuously repeats. It's like the gods toying with to, him. To like fuck with him. Like, oh, hey, this person is very much like your first love ever. Oh, they died tragically like she did. Yeah. And it just keeps on happening. Which I can't decide if it would be like kind of a bad, like a bad piece of like, you know, there's all these women that are like this plot device to make this right. guy feel bad. Or if it's like a commentary on like how he actively ruins their lives. I think it kind of just depends on how much like agency and how much like your interpretation of the story. Yeah, because it could it could kind of go either way as being kind of busted, but also kind of like a good commentary on how like he's actively making these girls' lives worse by being himself. Right, like (laughs) by being himself. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do, don't be yourself. A little bad. I mean, but I I would say that like if I if I were in his, his shoes and a good person and was like aware that I was doing this, I would get to a point where I'd be like, okay, I'm just not gonna talk to women anymore. But instead, he keeps making the same mistakes. Yeah how yeah. how has he not just like said, you know what, I'm gonna go underground forever? Well, you know you know how that is is because his intelligence is very good, but his wisdom is not as good. <laughs> that makes sense. It's that would true. do it. It's still pretty good, but it's not as good. Hmm. Okay, so... This guy's kind of... I mean, there's there's some more that happens in the in the book. Like, you know, he goes and gets revenge on this Leo guy. And, you know, it, it details several of the encounters that he had with these, with these women. Um, and one encounter where he does actually get laid. But it's not <laughs> with one of the women um, he believes to be Tatiana reincarnated. It's actually a woman who was uh helping to escort a shipment of stuff to barovia um and it's actually kind of sad because she's her husband is dead and she's sad about it so they just kind of get together and have some sad sex oh so that's just a one-off like she doesn't die tragically no she doesn't die tragically no because she wasn't a reincarnation this was just some random person that he ran into so he finally got laid yeah they just kind of had some sad sex and went their separate ways i love how like out of all of this that is the only instance that it says hey he actually got laid laid finally (laughs) and he didn't Become a better person. Like Aww. I can't help. Getting laid. I can't help but wonder: Do these people realize that this motherfucker is like centuries old at this point? Ooh, I mean, maybe talk about are... that dry spell. Oof. 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 Because, like, I assume that during his reign, or not his reign, but during his whole military campaign, he probably did at some point because Hopefully. people like military. People love these, like, yeah. especially like a commander and a count yeah. coming in and like mm. sweeping you off your feet. So I'm assuming, assuming it's not your future brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming up until Tatiana, he hopefully he had sex. But even still, after that, that's centuries-long dry spell, man. Ooh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that hurts, yeah. man. I I personally wonder if becoming a vampire increased or decreased his overall sex appeal sex appeal i feel like it would increase yeah yeah no lewin is doing that thing i'm seductively running my tongue over my teeth not seductively actually i was just kind of like open my mouth she was intending it it to be seductive no i wasn't 
Okay. No, I wasn't. I don't want to seduce either of you. <laughs> Good. Thank Good. you. Good. Yeah, we both appreciate that. Also, I appreciate the fact that I don't want to seduce either of you. <laughs> that sounds mean. I'm sorry. I mean, it's important to know that Lewin is also my best friend and also would never in the realm of possibility be attracted to Travis. So <laughs> that's it's all it's all good. This this it's all good. In this the would be an episode, though, if we were in some kind of terrible love triangle. This would be the episode to talk about it, though. Uh, of course, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point. Yeah. So um, that's the uh, yeah, that's the don't kill me. <laughs> don't kill you and drink your blood. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Can I do like one of those things. <sighs> hard pass hard pass that's fair so that's the uh that's what i have for the bulk of his like backstory that i i found to be particularly interesting was like how he uh became the first vampire right. also notable is the fact that he did not go to this entity and ask to become a vampire he was just kind of tempted by the uh the loose phrasing of never yeah. growing older. Yeah, like a lot of the times when you hear about people becoming vampires, they seek it out, but or like it happens to them tragically. This guy like he was got, just kind of got tricked a little bit. Yeah, by f- the fine print. Like I'm I'm not yeah. saying that he was in it for nice reasons, but he did kind of get tricked a little bit by He, he a, did though. By, you know, uh general f- like just very very general phrasing. But um, that's the bulk of what I have for his backstory from the um, autobiography. So I feel like this is a good time to take a break for our social media. Yes. Yeah. Quick our, little uh, ad break. Get our, our plugs in. <laughs> During the ad break, people can get drinks, food, what have you. Provided that they're not driving, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Was, I was about to say take a bathroom break, but also don't do that while you're driving. Yeah, don't do that while you're driving. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our Strahd episode. Uh, just a quick bunch of things that we need to take care of real quick. Uh, Thank you so much for your response for our first episode that went up last week. I cannot tell you how appreciative we are of everything we've, all the listens, all the response we've gotten. It just means so much to us. Thank you so much. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Dungeonpedia. That helps us a lot. helps us get the word out. Uh, We also have a Tumblr now at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. We post every time we upload a new episode. And also a post will be made linking to an audio transcription of every episode, um, if that would be helpful to you to follow along, um, from dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. We do still have our email address, dungeonpedia.podcast.gmail.com. Feel free to send us any uh, suggestions for content we can cover, if, or if we miss something that you want to cover, or you have a favorite thing that we just haven't talked about yet, because clearly we're talking about the favorite things that we're finding. Uh, we do appreciate any rates, any subscribes, any reviews that you guys write. Anything helps us get the word out, helps our ratings go up. And if it's something bad, we can work on that. Yes. Like, we, we're we not just asking for positive things here. If there's something wrong with the audio in one of the things, or we mispronounce something, because we do that a lot, feel free to tell us, and we will work our best to fix whatever we can. I also just want to real quick throw in, sorry about the wait between, like, us releasing our first episode and then it going up on some of the other platforms. It There's a whole review process with the other platforms before it'll actually get posted, so some platforms that host the podcast, it took a little longer than immediate, but anything from now on should go up fairly instantly, provided that we don't have any 
connection issues at that point. So at this point, you should be able to find and subscribe to us on any of your usual podcasting listening outlets. Um, in addition to reviews and subscriptions, um, it would also be really great if you would tell any of your friends that you think might be interested in this kind of thing. You know, word of mouth helps just as much as, you know, an actual quantitative, you know, type of type of thing. Um, so if you have anything, anyone you know that might be interested, um, suggest us to them. We would really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, listeners are a big help. Thank you so much again. and. Back to the episode. All right. So we're back with the bulk of his his interesting backstory stuff out of the way, which I think I might have. I mean, it, the order makes sense, but I think I might have made a mistake putting that kind of towards the front because I feel like that's the bulk of what's actually interesting about him. But still. Still. I mean. I have some more things. There's always non-interesting things in backstory. Virtually everything. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, and I think some of this is kind of interesting, but... I'm a really big fan of his, like, autobiographical backstory, so, like... Yeah, that actually sounds like something I would read in my personal time. Yeah, yeah. same. I kind of like it, actually. All right. So, you got through the bulk of that, then. What else do you have for us? All right, well, there's a, a little bit of background that I have about the uh, the actual village of Barovia itself, mm -hmm. um, because I found quite a few, like, discrepancies and ways that it's kind of changed over the years. So, the uh, the little village of Barovia kind of started off be being just that way, just like a village that, you know, Strahd conquered. Right. Um, but some sources that I saw, I don't know if this is something that explicitly changed over editions or were things that maybe would have been expanded on in like the other autobiographical novel that I didn't read. Um, but some sources say that upon, you know, the the attack on the wedding and Tatiana killing herself, right. um, that Barovia was cast into a demiplane within the Shadowfell, which I'm not sure if is that is actually separate from the demiplane of dread or if it's just like another name for it. Because I've heard it referred to as both. Um, right. And furthermore, some of these sources say that it was a curse um, set upon Strahd by his parents for mm. his actions, which his parents actually do have names. Like, they're named figures, not just, like, Strahd's mother and Strahd's father. Right. But I couldn't find anything that ever, you know, like, there wasn't anything in the book that explicitly said that they did that. And some sources also say that the fate of Barovia... Um, being cast into a demiplane was a manifestation of Tatiana's grief upon her death, which I think is pretty neat. God damn, yeah. Um, Jesus. So yeah. when Tatiana died, basically where Barovia was, it was not anymore. It was cast into like a different realm plane? or plane? Sounds like it. Whole what the hell? Um, so, which is pretty neat. And, and at one point... In the book, it was stated that the area around Barovia had expanded, which I guess is a representation of it expanding to connect with the other 29 places within the Demiplane of Dread. Right, the other 29 realms. Um, in the original Ravenloft campaign model, it's described as being surrounded by mists that poison anyone who tries to escape. Um, and I believe in that module version, it said that Strahd created this himself. Um, that tried to escape Barovia? Yeah. Um, which I'm assuming was Good mostly Lord. just in there as a device to keep the players, like the PCs with Like stuck, yeah. yeah. Right. Because, um, <clears throat> it was not meant to be like, 
the longest form type of campaign. Like it was supposed to be for like, you know, levels one through 10 and you play it over the course of like a month or six weeks or something like that. And then you do it and you kill Strahd and you're done. Yeah, it's not like a long <coughs> campaign. It's not like a long like we're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I mean, to be fair, we started out with a campaign model that wasn't initially meant to be terribly long. It was yeah. meant to be longer than that, but not I mean, but I also, terribly. that was before I was playing with you guys, too, so. That's true. But uh, then we accidentally... <laughs> We accidentally turned this into a multi-year endeavor. <laughs> we, we we accidentally path found too much. Yeah, we did. <clears throat> we found too many paths, guys. Fuck. But even, like, thinking not just in, like, the sense of that's how you keep the players in, how much would that have sucked for the people in Barovia that wanted to leave after all that happened? Yeah. Right? Like, you no longer feel safe in your town. Like, oh, God, this guy is crazy. I'm going to peace out yeah but it's also like are they their own like specific like enclosed like self-sufficient you know what i mean like I mean, do they, they produce their own cr- like, yeah but it's yeah like, you know they they have like their own little economy otherwise like within like a generation that whole place is just gonna be dead just yeah oh and in a few ooh, in a few generations they're all gonna be like inbred as fuck ooh. oh god so like that that could be fun like trying to like get uh barovia to not no longer be cut off so that you you aren't sentenced to a cruel cruel inbred fate well i think that killing strahd might do that for you ah yeah so a cruel inbred state (laughs) we're we're actually tapping into like what is actually even more horrifying about this than just like the tyrannical count of your village as a vampire yeah like that's actually even worse is that you're stuck and you know that your family's going to be inbred in a couple generations. <laughs> Screw the fact that your leader is a vampire who murdered his friend and his brother, and I feel like planned the political the whole thing. assassination assassination outlook on it. Because I'm guessing no one ever found out that he's the one that actually killed his brother? Um, I think um, some people in his, like, court, like his castle, kind of figured it out. They kind of uh, knew. But I don't think it was common knowledge, like, across the village. Yeah, they so... They didn't go about spewing it because why would you? At that point, it's almost like a conspiracy theory, too. Ooh. Damn. Ooh. But uh, and also on the topic of Barovia being isolated, um, brings in the fifth uh, edition Curse of Strahd module, mm-hmm. um, which was released in 2016. Um, oh, I didn't realize they had such a recent release. Yeah, that's the one where he looks all sexy. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, that was. Yeah, the artwork in that. <laughs> yeah, we book. Uh, we went and looked at the uh, artwork on our on our break, and in the most recent one, he actually looks pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and just Google Straw 2016 sexy. I'm sure you won't get any <laughs> unpleasant so Google image results. <laughs> I'm not looking this up right now. Um, and it was a. Uh, it seems to be like, as opposed to other versions that like followed it, mm-hmm. was more or less just a modern retelling with a different rule set of the original Ravenloft. Oh, that's um, really interesting. So it was back in Barovia, um, which in this one is explicitly a part of the Demiplane of Dread, and is referred to as, quote-unquote, Strahd's Prison, which kind of, you know, lends itself. puts a more menacing uh, turn on it. Yeah. His Um, prison. His prison. Which, like, yeah, he's kind of a jackass, but, like, 
That would kind of still suck, you know? Yeah, like... Yeah, no, like, fuck that. It, it puts it puts the onus um, a little bit more on the uh, the original entity. Yeah. So, um, it, it kind of seems to be a little back and forth on whether or not, like, Strahd himself is trapped in Barovia, what trapped him there, you know, if it's just a, you know, device that he's doing himself, or... You know, just something that originally, you know, out of out of kayfabe, I guess, existed as a way to keep the player characters trapped in Barovia. I'm really not sure how it how it came to be. Um, <clears throat> like not to woobify this guy or anything, but like, yeah, it's like fuck this guy, because I mean, he he was a dick and he kind of did do this to himself, but he he does ha- seem to have a very tragic existence. Yeah, he really does. His existence is very like. It's more tragic than normal just because, like, it's constantly repeating. He finds this woman that mm-hmm. is the reincarnation of the woman he first loved, and they keep dying every time in a tragic yeah. way. That's a, that's something that I actually think is, like, really interesting about him. Um, because in the original module for first edition, um, his alignment was listed as chaotic evil, but I think it's just, you know... He was like a vampire. Right. End of campaign, big bad, you know, kind of thing. Before they expanded on him. Yeah, but in all later editions, even the ones that came out before the original autobiographical novel came out, um, his alignment was changed to lawful evil, which I feel like in itself is actually a really underappreciated alignment. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Like, lawful evil you can, like, you can play with a lot better. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, like, I'm not a bad person. I just follow the rules and it ends up being horrible. Yeah. Like, there's very little compromise to a lawful evil person if someone breaks the rules. It's you follow my rules or you die, pretty much. And I I feel like, well, for one, I feel like, you know, Strahd himself kind of embodies it because, like, even in his youth, when he was, like, before he, he sort of fell victim to like his own his own like melancholy in middle age you know he was on the side of like lawfulness right um and you know he like going into his his i guess like struggles in in middle age like he you know he's still being a count and and things like that and he he also feels like the kind of villain very much that like even if he doesn't think he's doing the right thing he is at least like principled in the things that he does. He doesn't right. just he doesn't just do whatever he wants because he feels like it. Like he's very principled in the things he does. He's and not I, just a murder hobo. Yeah. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a methodical reason for him doing whatever he's doing. It's just mm-hmm. to most people not the right not thing to do. Very bad things to he do. He makes a lot of bad decisions for bad reasons but he still has his reasons yeah and i think that he uh like i think that the the lawful evil alignment in itself is so fascinating because to me it's like it's very real yeah because it 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 seems like the kind of evil that's like you know someone who 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 has resources to help other people but doesn't right a dictator like yeah. yeah, exactly. Like a like a tyrannical count. It, it feels like some things that actually happen in the real world, whereas very rarely you run into people who are just who are actually chaotic evil. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. very rarely do you run into someone who's just an awful person because they can be. Or I, I feel like the kind of people in, in the real world who have a nature that you could describe in terms of, like, a chaotic evil alignment usually... It's it's very sensational, but usually it's like less on a wide scale yeah. than people I would think are more lawful evil. Which is why I think it's a really interesting alignment because it's so it's it's both a lot of the time I feel you get villains who are methodical and also sort of real in a way. Yeah. Like this guy feels very real to me, even though he's a fantasy vampire character. <laughs> because, you know, he's he's this guy who like, and there's a there's a lot of different ways to interpret, I feel like, some of the things in his story, because like, you know, on one hand, he, y- you can see a sympathetic man who, you know, was deeply in love with this woman, or you can see, like, let's be real, just a total creep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Either way, like, ju- it's just up to your interpretation on that. Mm-hmm. And very much, I feel that the, the fear of, of, of aging and squandering or having squandered your time is like a really real fear that like affects a lot of people and i think that that makes him feel real and interesting yeah yeah i i see exactly what you mean like he seems like a very complex character like there's a reason why they probably basically rebooted his yeah and that so many people think he's so iconic yeah yeah and now you got the people that are playing this curse of strahd module in 5e and they're not totally sure where he came from but they're seeing this yeah because mad freaking person creature because he's a vampire Mm -hmm. who has trapped himself and this whole town in a poison fog why for yeah Yeah. for what reason Mm -hmm. it's very intriguing I kind of like it. Like, if I was going to do just a random 5e module, the Curse of Strahd would be an interesting one to do. And also another reason it would be really great to do, there is um, a specific sheet of character options Mm -hmm. that you have specifically for Curse of Strahd. Um, So there's, like, different personality traits you can pick from. Um, A section called Harrowing Event, where you can pick, you can roll a d10 to figure out something bad that happened to your character. Oh my god. Um, And also... My favorite section title is Gothic Trinkets. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so Did you mean half my wardrobe? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like for real though. Um, according to some supervisors. According to me also. And Loon. So Gothic Trinkets. Okay, first of all, I just want to touch very quickly on the harrowing event. That actually sounds amazing. Just, it does. Like Just because like... You don't have to have a harrowing, tragic thing that happened, but they made these specific things for this module. Yeah, in fact, let's read one. Number five. And Oni took your sibling one cold, dark night, and you were unable to stop it. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, Oni, that's fun. Oh. That's good. So you have this backstory where this Oni took your... Sibling. Sibling, whatever whatever you want to have it. (laughs) The next one's a werewolf one. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And that's like your driving factor, but Mm -hmm. in the meantime, you decide to join this group that's taking down this tyrant? Well, maybe you you need to clear uh, access to the outside world. To go look. Yeah, because Oni don't exist 
from my understanding, at least the little bit that I've seen, on the plane that they function on usually. Like, they're right. usually spirits in between planes. So if you're going to go after the Oni, you have to be able to leave. You have to be able to leave. So yeah. if, in order to leave, you have to kill Strahd. Mm-hmm. Well, these damned are, if he's going to stop you. Yeah. yeah these I want to go get my sibling back. Exactly. I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah, these are, like, really good. Um, And the uh, the development, I think... Of, of Strahd was kind of interesting, too, um, because, like, you know, there's these things also, like, that I talked about a minute ago that, like, make him feel almost like he could be a real person or, like, honestly, like a sympathetic, sexy vampire. Right. In, like, a dark, gothic romance horror movie. Mm. Um, but also, like, in the way that he adheres to a lot of vampire conventions, like, you know, he's creepy. He lives in a castle. You know, he likes bats. He likes bats. It's very like very Count Dracula, which was like literally one of his influences. I'm not gonna lie for a second. I thought you were gonna say Count Chocula. (laughs) Are you hungry? He's very much like Count Chocula. You want to take another break and go eat some cereal? No, I'm good. I just do we need do we need to go pick up some Count Chocula? I'm I'm, no, I'm good. I just I don't know why my brain went to Count Chocula, but it did. Yeah this this guy is based on a serial vampire. Serial vampire. Oh my god! (laughs) Boo! I'm booing myself. That wasn't very good. You know, now that you mentioned that though, I can see a lot of the resemblances between him and Dracula. Mm Hmm. Also, yeah. apparently the, uh, one of the, uh, I believe he would, he's the main character in the, uh, oh, is it, was it in the seventies? The uh, TV show Dark Shadows? I can't. I didn't watch it, but it was also I can listed. quickly look it up. I am going to look it up and I'm going to specifically edit this part. So it seems like I knew what I was talking about the whole time. Uh, 1966 Ooh, TV series. The 60s. There was a 66, a 91... A 2005 movie, a 2012 movie. Yeah, I remember that had Johnny Depp in it. I remember oh, when that the, I remember. Out. Yeah, I remember the Johnny Depp movie. But yeah, he was oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah, influences from like Dracula and the character Barnabas Collins from that one. Okay, from Dark Shadows, um, who apparently had a pretty similar backstory of like killing a family member and being motivated by love, but then it went bad. Right. So the last snippets of information that i have about him i was actually supposed to talk about earlier but we kind of naturally went to a different point so this might be a little (laughs) bit of an unsatisfying conclusion is some of his abilities as a vampire right that seems pretty uh i mean that seems like a pretty good conclusion to me honestly i mean yeah i mean the the differences between vampires and humans might be important and a little bit um so there's a couple in here that to me like we're thinking about vampires that I already knew about. Um, so he's obviously weak to sunlight. Right. Which in kayfabe translates to um, if he begins his turn in direct sunlight, he will take 20 points of radiant damage. Holy oh. shit. And be unable to use his natural healing ability, which usually he heals at the start of every turn. Right. And also has disadvantage on all attacks and ability checks, which is pretty cool. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of damage. I know. And like just from one, one round. Yeah, and like very, very debilitating effect of having disadvantage on like his attacks. Do you know if lore wise of killing him in daylight would like permanent kill him? Okay. 
Actually, I do. Well, okay. It's not in daylight will perma kill him. But the thing I think about him dying and then coming back is because if he is killed, like if his if he is away from his coffin and his HP is reduced to zero, he will immediately polymorph into a cloud of mist and return to his coffin okay. where he wakes up. But he has to do so within, I believe, two days, or else he will be destroyed permanently. Okay. So you have to get him two days away from his coffin? And I don't... You know, I, do, I would assume so, and I don't or know... Could you just destroy his coffin, maybe, so he wouldn't have a place to get back to? Ooh, perhaps. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, actually... Taylor, you are correct. I went and looked it up again because this specific was something that I didn't have in here. Um, if he is in direct sunlight or running water, which is what I didn't know was a vampire thing, he will not transform. And if he cannot transform, he will be destroyed automatically. Oh. Or if he can't make it back to his coffin, he'll right. die permanently. Okay. So if you can get him in direct sunlight when you're fighting him and kill him when he's in direct sunlight, he's dead. If not, you might want to destroy his coffin before yes. attacking yeah. him. Because I don't know what the fly speed of a cloud of mist is. Huh. It's probably pretty good. Um, probably. In addition, he can also, at will, polymorph into a tiny bat, a medium-sized wolf, or a medium-sized cloud of mist, which all function the way you think they would. He can summon a pack of wolves or bats. Oh, which is pretty cool. And also can charm enemies, which it's not it's not mind control. It's the the kind of charm where you like where another creature would regard him favorably and like right. listen to his suggestions, but also with the addendum of if a creature is charmed, they will allow Strahd to drink their blood. Ooh. Oh, which I feel like would hurt you. Probably. At least damage your constitution a little bit, even if <laughs> Maybe. temporarily. Maybe. But it might be kind of sexy, so who knows <laughs> if it would be a bad thing. Also, I don't know if either of you guys have ever heard about this being a vampire thing, but he also has a weakness to running water. Yes, I have heard of that being okay, a Okay, see, I've thing. never heard of that. Um, if he ends his turn in running water, he takes 20 points of acid damage. Yeah, something. I think that actually counts depending on where you're looking at for undead creatures as well. Like oh. they're maybe it has to do with him being. I was just talking like, like purely mythological lore. I had heard about vampires huh. having an issue with run like they can't cross running water. I have never heard of that. Yeah, in tabletop settings, it counts for the same as just like an undead ghoul too. Like, like huh. running water for whatever reason stops them that's i'm not quite sure why that has something to do with like maybe it has like a purifying effect yeah maybe and it probably just goes back to the probably the original ancient lore probably which we'd have to look for uh real quick like i have your answer type thing mm -hmm. uh, while in misform the vampire can cannot take any action speak or manipulate objects it is weightless and has a fly speed of 20 feet Okay. I thought it'd be better than that. I did too. I was thinking more like 50 or 60, but... Yeah. Hmm. I guess mist goes real slow. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume if there's a strong wind, maybe it would help the mist Ooh. along. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, it's just, I'm sure you can imagine, he is a master <clears throat> necromancer, because why not? Because, right. of course. Um, yeah. And I couldn't find much information about 
maybe what he would be summoning in kayfabe but basically that the zombies that he creates are more powerful than your run-of-the-mill zombies um with the ability to keep fighting after they have their limbs severed Mm -hmm. and also to see invisible enemies and objects which i think is interesting whoa that that is really i that's not something that i would have pegged for a vampire but that's really cool yeah i i wonder why they're that much stronger i have no idea i he's just that good i guess he he's just Um, that damn good of a necromancer i guess well he is classified as an ancient vampire which i believe is a vampire that has been undead for at least 400 years Uh uh-huh so maybe it's just he has had that amount of time just experimenting and to make really good zombies. Yeah. yeah. He's just amassed so much power at that point that... Mm-hmm. Also, don't forget, he's still, like, fit as fuck, too. Like, he was a soldier, so, like, he has he does all this other stuff, and he's still fit as fuck. Yeah, it's not like he was an old man when he got turned into yeah. a vampire. Yeah, because I, I would project him as being in, like, his 40s. Probably. Yeah. He would still be you know, pretty much, like... In his fit. prime. Yeah, in his prime, fit, able. Yeah. He sounds like a scary dude to fight. Yeah. And In conclusion, teach the cleric daylight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 No. That, that's that's how you kill him. One the one last additional thing that I thought was really cool was also speaking of thresholds that vampires cannot cross. Um, one of them is obviously the threshold of a house that they have not been invited to. This still applies to Strahd, but what I think was cool is that one reference states that the um, the citizens of the village Barovia lock their doors every night to protect themselves from him because he is the lord, the count of Barovia. So he technically owns everything. So he does. So he can, like, based on a, on a loophole, on a technicality, can go wherever he wants without permission. That's cool. I know. Damn. That's just, that's like, that was such a fun detail that I read. And I was like, oh, that's really what? neat. I love legal loopholes in mythology. <laughs> what in the hell? Legal vampire loopholes. Sure. You can lock your doors. But if I can break the door down, I can still get in. Which he probably can, because he has like an 18 in strength. I think. Oh, good God. Can you imagine the Beefy kind of locks boy. you would need to keep someone like him out, though? Silver? Oh. Oh. He doesn't seem to have a weakness to silver. I'm Uh, not sure. Yeah, that didn't... uh, uh, I thought... I only thought I was smart. (laughs) I was... I would say that this information could be a spoiler to people that are running the campaign and to, like, their players, but let's be fair, if their players are going to look up spoilers, they can just Google it and... Right. Yeah. Find it. If they were if they were in the middle of a Curse of Strahd campaign, they would maybe see the title of this episode and be like, eh, maybe yeah, nah, I'm good. Well, what a shitty loophole for the citizens. Mm-hmm. I don't invite you in. I don't care. <laughs> no, you you can't come in. It, it, it's too bad because guess what? I well, own everything. He has a plus four to charisma, so he could probably just talk him into just it. Just talk him into it anyway. A plus four to charisma. Good God. This guy seems pretty good at everything, actually. He is pretty good at everything. He's probably one hell of a person to fight, too. Yeah. Probably. Like, I feel like that battle is one of the ones that, unless you get really lucky or are in nothing but daylight, is going to take several actual hours. Well, I mean, he's set up to be uh the in-game boss, so. Mm -hmm. Like, if you guys are going to fight him, sit back, grab your snacks, and be prepared. (laughs) It's going to be a long one. 
that's that's all I have on this incredibly goth dude and the incredibly goth campaign modules he's featured in. Welcome to our goth which, episode. Which, like, you know, made me think, like, maybe I could do another one-shot one day and we could do a little segment of, like, The Curse of Strahd or something. I mean... You know? Maybe. Well, actually, no, we can't, because now you guys know. Oh, you guys yeah. know everything. I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> We're going to spoil a lot of things for us in the future. I'll probably still use some things. It's Yeah. I just assume that all the information that we gather between now and if it comes up in our campaign, like, we'll just forget. Like, we'll forget or we'll we'll pretend like we don't know. Yeah. You'll pretend like you forget, but you actually just, like, metagame the fuck out of it. Or yeah. I just... I've, I yeah. just trust that you guys aren't going to metagame. And, yeah. and to be fair, I don't think trying to put a vampire in sunlight is really metagame. No, like everyone knows that daylight kills va- vampires. Yeah. Or just makes them sparkle. And on that note, with that very dated reference, um, that is all I have today on Strahd von Zarovich. I tried to do an affectation there, but I didn't really commit to it. It, it was still pretty good. I, I mean, I mean I, his last name is weird. I mean, I liked it, but it just... Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on our various social media platforms. Spread the word to your friends. We would really appreciate it. If you happen to have anything that you would like to suggest as a topic for us to cover, feel free to email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll catch you next week here on Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia.